Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Leadership isn't for the faint of heart. It's dirty, dangerous, difficult, and disruptive. It will test everything about who you are. Unfortunately, as a leader, you're out front, which means you usually only get about 43 feet of good road built for those following behind you while you're running the race yourself. Welcome to the 43 Feet Podcast, where each week you'll hear from some of the greatest leaders we can find both in F3 and beyond. If you're going to lead, you'll need to be ready for the difficult challenges, for what lies ahead in the unknown, for what's lurking in the next 43 feet. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the 43 Feet Podcast. Uh, with me as per usual is one of becoming one of my more favorite people. Um, I mean, I liked him before, but uh, the more we do these, the more I get to like him. Uh, Mr. Matt Crossman, F3 Ralph out of St. Louis. Good to see you, brother. I'm liking you the more I see you too. Hey, <laughs> what if we kick these guys off? The, no, no, not that kind of group. <laughs> pretty, you know, it, pretty soon I'm going to start asking you for hair tips. Oh, well, you know, this is so disappointing and, and kind of hilarious. There's another guy here in, uh, in, in Fort Mill where I live who works out uh, with us. His name is Bones. Uh, you hear him sometimes on the COT podcast, the, the hunt for wellness guy. And uh, he also has very good hair and it's, you know, quaffed uh, well and whatever. And we really made some guys sad. Uh, I don't remember when it was, it was months ago now. And they were like, what do you guys do? What do you guys do? And we're like, we don't know how to tell you this. Like, I know it's disappointing to hear, but like, I just use a bar of soap. Like, I don't even, like, there's nothing magic here. Like, there's no, you know, and so I started hashtagging everything superior genetics. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> Ralph is with us and uh, greatly appreciate him being here. Uh, also joining us uh, today, two of my just absolute favorite people um, who I've looked to many times for counsel and advice and for help, um, men that I respect their opinions and, uh, and thoughts very, very much. Uh, the first is uh, a member of the Fort Mill uh, group as well, Mr. Jason Vinson. Uh, his F3 name is Gears, works out of Fort Mill. He is currently serving as the first FQ in our region. Welcome, Jason. Thank you very much, Frank. I don't know if I'm supposed to call you Doa or Dark Helmet or what, but thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I literally to be here. have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and I none of us forget. do. That's right. I changed everybody else's name and forgot to change my own, so I'll change mine. Um, and then uh, in, in an interest to uh, have a convergence of the Jasons, uh, we also have with us Mr. Jason Silverstein, not Silverman, that's different. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, of course, AP. He currently resides in Puget Sound and serves as the chairman of the board of directors for F3. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. And uh, also, don't ask me for any hair tips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, you probably spend a lot less time and energy on your hair. Maybe that's the tip we all need. <laughs> to guard all around. The other day we were getting ready for this podcast and I had a shirt with a collar on and I had actually combed my hair and my wife was like, wait, where are you, are you leaving? What are you, why are you all dressed up? Because <laughs> I, you know, even, you know, I, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so nobody's leaving their house, but I work from home anyway. And so I spend a sad amount of time in, you know, t-shirts and jeans or whatever. So if right. I 
my, you know, if I put a shirt with a collar on, my girls think it's like, you know, a, a fancy date night or something. They're like, Dad, are we going to church? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> he set the standard. The standard right. has been set in the household. <clears throat> oh, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Uh, so the, um, as many of you may know, uh, both actually, I guess both Jasons work in a, a software laden environment as well, uh, I, I believe. Um, AP uh, is the COO of, uh, well, I don't remember, it's Tango Card, but I don't remember what they do exactly. Yeah. So, you know how when you go to the grocery store, there's a wall of gift cards, of physical gift cards? Um, we power the digital transformation of that. So you can get that through your email, through an app, that type of thing. So you, you get your choice like you would in a grocery store, but you give that choice to the people that you're giving it to. So if I send you uh, one of our products called a reward link, rather than sending you say a hundred dollars to, I don't know, some Amazon or something like that, you get a choice and you go, well, you know what? Hey, today I want something from Nike and I'll take $50 and put it to Nike, $25 to put it to Nordstrom, which is a big store out here. And then, you know, $25 to Amazon. So we give the choice to the consumer through digital versus going physical in a store. That is super interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, now so, I'm, yeah, I'm Googling Tango card, card now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ping me afterwards. We can talk about it. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny. So this is so telling too. Like as soon as you mention that, what do I see? I see on my screen gears instantly goes to the keyboard. And he's like, hmm, hmm, it's very interesting. It is very you interesting. It's, a, it's an intriguing kind of uh, solution to a problem, right? The customer's face. You give them choice. That's, so That's right. Yeah. It, it also speaks to what, what gears was, I think it was gears was saying before we, uh, started recording that you can be in the gloom with a guy and you can know right. his you might you'll, you'll know his deepest pains his biggest struggles you won't know his real name you won't know what he does for a living you won't know his wife's name but you can uh you have a deep relationship with a guy you see him at the grocery store i i don't know what to call him because i don't know his name so i'm just going to say hey p you know so it's an it was, interesting it's facet of the of the f3 relationships it's like yeah. this um it's anonymity, but it's not nope. like it's, it's like it's anonymity in the sense that you're, you're, you don't know necessarily the, you know, the quote unquote real name or whatever, but there's just a, I wonder if that lends itself to some of the, the vulnerability. Yeah. I would Ooh. argue that once you really get to guys to know guys in the gloom, you know, the most important parts about them, not their job, yeah. you know, not like the, the humdrum stuff on the side, you know, okay. the most important bits, right? How hard they're going to push, how firm they're going to stand beside you, you know, that sort of stuff, the things they struggle with if they're willing to, to make themselves known, you know what I mean? So like yeah. the other stuff is kind of like what I do, not who I am, if you get what right. I'm saying there. Yep. Um, so just very interesting the way that Yeah, works. kind of that role versus identity. <clears throat> yep. Go ahead, AP. Oh, no, I mean, I'm just shaking my head, yes, because I agree with with what Gears was saying. It's just, and also, of course, what, what Ralph was saying, but the, the, the important part of F3 is not what you do. Yeah. No, it really isn't. And gears, uh, all of that information that flows through uh, AP's world, you keep that safe, correct? <laughs> Good segue, actually. Like very that? nice. Very nice. Oh, yes. <clears throat> yes. So I'm a product management director for a company. It's uh, called Nice Actimize, and we do financial crime prevention software. So we try to stop bad people from doing bad things with other people's money. So whether that's fraud or money laundering, terrorist financing, all that sort of stuff, or market manipulation. So we are trying to. Uh, protect the world's financial transactions. So one, uh, one, one payment at a time. Oh, that's, yeah. they pay you to say yeah. that? No, I was yeah. trying to tie it into the card from, from AP. 
Yes. See, we may have to talk anyway because we're we we have we're a money transmitter and we have licenses from each state. We have, go, the, we have to deal with we have to deal with we have to deal with the anti money money laundering laws. And Very nice compliance, and so maybe we do need to talk. So <laughs> I actually have been in I've been in um, the ML world for about ten years or so. Actually, fifteen now that I think about it. So I've been doing it for a long time. I've spread out into fraud, financial markets, compliance, et cetera, but uh, we talk later, but yeah, that's yes. what I do. So I'm, so I'm in charge of defining how to satisfy what our customers actually want, right? From our products. Yeah. 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 And there will, there's often uh, so another member of our shield lock is a guy who works uh, for one of the major banks and he does a lot of payment stuff. And every once in a while, I have to like, I'll cock my head back. My eyes will glass over and they're like, oh, sorry, we got, oh, we'll bring it yeah. back. We'll bring it back. We get talking yeah. fraud and everybody else is like, yeah. what? Yeah. And what is this foreign language you're speaking? <clears throat> so yes. Oh, good stuff. And uh, I don't bring that up uh, lightly. Um, obviously we, we, you know, getting to know you guys a little bit better. That's always helpful too. Um, but w- one of the things I wanted to kind of focus on is, is uh, today is, is mammon um, and our relationship with it and mm-hmm. how we look at it and kind of, you know, uh, and you guys have made some interesting points already uh, that, that I was hoping to get to about, you know, like mammon and the gloom and, and some of those kinds of things and, uh, and how they relate to one another. But um, now, Jason, you, you said you've been doing this for 15 years. Correct. So that's <clears throat> darn near your entire career. Is that a fair? fair? <laughs> uh, so it's funny. I was just talking to somebody. Uh, it's got him MacGyver here. We were running on Wednesday. I was trying to keep up with him. He's very fast. He's very and uh, <laughs> so shout out to MacGyver if he's listening. Um, but um, we were talking and I realized at that point that I'd been out of college for 20 years, literally in December was 20 years. And so first five years of my professional life, if you will, was doing various things. Mostly I was uh, computer science was my major. So programming mostly. And then oddly enough, I got my um, job offer for the first job in this string of anti-money laundering, financial crime, et cetera, when I was on my honeymoon, my wife. So it's very easy for me to know exactly how long it's been because it's <laughs> the same duration as my right. marriage. So yes. So most, for my entire married life, at least I've been doing that, right? Financial crime prevention. Interesting. Yes. Very interesting. So, uh, and that's different. I mean, a lot of guys, you know, like, so for myself and, and I'm going to ask these other guys too, but like, you know, I've, I started out, uh, you know, got my degrees in psychology and thought that's what I wanted to do and did that for a little while. And I was like, well, that's garbage. And, uh, <laughs> and then from there went and worked at a television station or, or two, because I was like, well, this is a lot more fun. And then realized I'm not going to make any money doing this. And uh, so then I left and started doing my own thing. And as it turns out, I am unemployable. So <laughs> I have no ability to, <laughs> to conform well enough to, to work for another man. Apparently, I don't know why I just, I don't know. I'm broken, uh, but I'm okay with it. Um, and, uh, and so I've kind of bounced around a little bit, uh, in, in careers. And I think sometimes the temptation is, as we were mentioning before, kind of this, you know, role, the role that you hold versus the identity that you have, you know, the, who you are versus the, 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 what you do. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and if you, if you, st- I, I wonder, I guess, if you stay in the same career the, or even the same field for a long time, how much of your identity starts getting kind of tied to that? And, and what is that? I can, I, ahead, can I can jump in on that. Yeah, Ralph, so uh, I was gonna say, Ralph, have you always been a writer? I have. Uh, if you, uh, in a couple, in a month or two, it will be 27 years since I graduated from college. Uh, when I was in 10th grade and you had to write a paper, uh, what do you want to do with your career? It was journalist. Mm-hmm. I went to school. I double majored in journalism and political science. I uh, wanted to cover the White House. I graduated on a Saturday on the following, on that Monday. So two days later, I was covering a 
city council meeting in this small town in Tecumseh, Michigan. Uh, and, and I've been a journalist ever since. I bounced around. I went from news and politics to sports uh, to freelance. Uh, but uh, I've been, a, I call myself a storyteller, even though it sounds kind of, you know, vain and overly earnest. That is what I do. And yeah, that's a, that's something I, you know, the, the identity that being wrapped up in your career, uh, that's something I, I wrestle with a lot because I consider myself very fortunate and very blessed that I've, uh, in terms of making widgets, you know, the, the construction of the, the thing that you do, I've always liked it. I've uh, had bosses I didn't like especially the one that I have now because I'm self-employed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the actual job of it, I, I love it. I've never really wanted to go do anything else. So. Hmm. Yeah, so I have to caveat my earlier statement. It is the same field, but I actually was uh, a programmer for years and years and years. And I moved into leadership in the programming world, like in management, et cetera. And about six-ish years ago, I actually switched to the business side. So despite it being the same industry, it's completely different, yeah. mostly, mindset about how you actually think mm. about the world, and how you interface with others in your organization. I went from talking to you know, QA and IT and developers, et cetera, to talking to sales guys and customers and everything else, which is a huge, yeah. there's a huge difference there that oftentimes people don't make that leap between those two things. So I have yeah. to caveat and say it's 15 years of financial crime prevention, but it's yeah. like, a lot of it in development and then the latter part in for the business side of things. So it, it is, it was because I was actually getting bored with what I was doing mm. um, and felt like I was doing the same things over and over again that I actually made the switch. So I was fortunate to have the opportunity um, to do it in a company because if I tried to do that elsewhere, like to go from development to switch to business in a different company it would have been much harder because no yeah. experience, et cetera. So it was a it was fortuitous for me to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. um, so. And I can expand more later. I don't want to hog it all, but I just wanted to preface it by saying it is one of those things where you feel like you might be going down the same path forever. Um, I felt it, right? And I just was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to make a switch without having to to try to do that with moving between companies. Yeah, see, so, because a lot of times if you <clears> want to do something like that, you'd have to chase the job, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you'd have to leave that company and go someplace else, bounce around a little bit, that yep. sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, yep. no doubt. AP, yep. what, do you have something you were going to throw in there? You know, I, I, I'm... Like in many cases, uh, you know, dark when we talk, um, I have sort of a different angle. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the uh, the well, guy. I ask who all the like, questions of you. <laughs> I know it, it's. Um, I've been pretty lucky. Uh, what my career has been measured by is like what's interesting to me. What am I willing to explore? Um, you know, you can be entrepreneurial without having to start your own company. Um, and I, I've done that. I've started my own company a couple of times, and then I've also been interested in in positions where I can act like an entrepreneur. And I've never, ever really, um, with the exception of some of my first jobs where I was working in, in sports media and technology, um, I never sought a job. Uh, something came to me, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I would either apply or be asked to, you know, to apply, that kind of a thing. Um, and if the, if the opportunity to learn was there, then I was in. I wanted to be a part of that. And if there was no opportunity for me to learn or to help people, um, you know, I've always just been around, um, all of my positions have always been around, how do I elevate a, a team? And, and I've just enjoyed that. So I've not really, I've never really thought about the industry as much so much as what I can contribute back. Hmm. That is interesting. So did you bounce around a lot of industries then? 
Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So um, I think, I think uh, Ralph and I graduated the same year. Uh, We'll talk about that later. Um, But um, you turn 50 this year? Uh, next year. So working on it a couple of years, actually. So yeah, I'm, I'm 95. So we'll, yeah, there you go. Uh, 95. So he said 27 years would be next year. Yes. So close enough. Anyway, um, I also graduated with two degrees. I have a chemistry degree, which I thought I wanted to be in med school um, and decided at the last second not to. And also have a electronic communication degree, which at the time was radio, TV and internet of, of the journalism school that I, the college that I went to. Um, and actually going back and getting uh, a master's degree later, because I'm just, I'm like just a constant learner. I just want to learn and I'm, I have a, uh, you know, maybe an unhealthy appetite for learning. And so my first, uh, real uh, job was in, in New York city at the NBA, the basketball association, and it was actually in video editing. And they one day said to me, Hey, somebody needs to edit video for this new thing we're trying to do on nba.com and we like we need to figure out streaming media we don't really know what that is this is, by the way it's like mid 90s and uh you know before it was ubiquitous and so putting a postage stamp on a server to get it to play was such an interesting technical problem for me to try to solve that i ended up becoming you know a developer and um that is where my entryway was into that field and nothing to do with obviously with chemistry or I mean, you could kind of say it was electronic communication, but that's a, kind of a lie. Uh, and uh, and so I ended up starting my own company after that for uh, a while and then, you know, ended up at the time at the world's biggest Internet company in Yahoo. And, you know, I thought I'd be there for a year because I had just come off of finishing in my own company. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to be here a year because I want to go start something else. Well, what an entrepreneurial opportunity. It was the number one you know, provider in the world at the time. And so I ended up staying there for seven years and then, you know, then I went to take a huge left turn, moved to Charlotte and, uh, you know, there was no Yahoo in Charlotte, at least when I moved there. Uh, and so, you know, you, you're trying different things and um, went back and leaned a little bit on that history that I had in, in media. And so became in media technology, which I very much enjoyed. Uh, but it never became like all of these, these, these places. Once I left a place, I was thankful for the, for the opportunity. I was thankful for what I learned. Um, it, but it didn't become like this thing that I was always like, oh, well, I worked at this place, you know, or I worked at that place. It was just sort of like I contributed. I hope I left it better than I found it. Time to move to the next thing. Um, so Mammon is is right now important to me because it's what I do, but it's not who, who I am. Mm-hmm. I was waiting to tie back in chemistry at some point. No, <laughs> never happened. huh? So it's, no. uh, it's, it's a little bit ironic that I, um, I started in chemical engineering, by the way, in school before <laughs> I switched to computer science. So there's more and more kind of like things crossing over, right. here, but, uh, but we can explore that later if it comes up. See, that's what I'm saying, right? The Jasons get on, they were both chemical guys. Now I love chemistry. Developing um, I still do it for a living. Yeah. Yeah. I love yep. it. What, what did you guys, when you were you know, like 15, 16, 17, 18, those formative years, what did you imagine you'd end up doing as a career? So I, uh, I'll go first, if you don't mind, AP. So I, because I was thinking about this a minute ago, is that, um, you know, we talk about Mammon and, um, you know, at the time, my father actually worked at a, a paper plant, like a place that makes paper. And he saw the guys there who were making the most money and they were the chemistry guys, the chemical engineers, mm-hmm. right? So he was trying to steer me in that direction because he wanted me to make a good paycheck. And I had an affinity for chemistry. I actually love chemistry. I had, uh, I had my favorite teacher of all time was my uh, senior year chemistry teacher. His name was Mr. Smoke. Um, and he was just great, great sense of humor, super intelligent. And um, 
and I actually won like a science award that year just because I was so engaged in this class. <clears throat> and so I wanted, I did want to do chemistry. I had a passion for it. I really liked it. My dad was pushing me in that direction for the engineering side. And when I went to school, I actually started for chemical engineering. Um, and the way it works at uh, Clemson University, which is where I went, you know, I'll give a shout out to Clemson. Sorry, I have to do it. But I, um, you, you are a, a, year, <laughs> a year of general engineering, and then you declare your formal major, right? Which field of engineering you're actually going to. And I, um, what they make you do is tour at least three departments, engineering departments, before you make that selection. They want to make sure you're sure about the path you're going to go. So I toured all of them because I started with chem chemical engineering and I was like, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. Like it just didn't look that interesting to me. I loved the concept of chemistry, how, you know, the building blocks of life actually work like organisms and everything else on earth. Um, but just applied chemistry didn't appeal to me like I thought it would. So eventually I decided to switch to computer science. I had been a computer guy ever since I was a kid. <laughs> I'm probably going to picked on, but I'll say it anyway. I wrote my first computer program when I was like uh, 10 years old or so. It was back in the day when they had the magazines where you're copying the code and it's doing like ASCII art and stuff like that. But that hooked me to be able to make a computer do something. So that was always a, um, a hobby or a passion of mine, but it wasn't what I thought I would do for a career. But really it's what I needed to do because it was the place that it was the most natural fit for me it was around software and computers and understanding how they work and how they can solve problems. And I think part of it is being able to create something, which I think that's why chemistry and computer science, that's where they kind of meet a little bit as you're taking building blocks and creating something from it. And I just had to find the right medium for doing it, which was computers, not chemistry. So that, that's kind of how the evolution of my path to where I am today uh, went. But a lot of it was driven, and we talk about mammon, and we'll talk specifically about money. My dad's desire for me to get a good paycheck was where it started, but it wound up being more about what really gets me going, which is taking pieces and making something bigger out of it, right, that actually solves problems. So that's me. I had a similar experience with my own dad. He was a, a cider, you know, he put siding on houses mm -hmm. and just worked for himself. And I worked with him for four summers. And the reason he wanted me to work with him was so that I would go to college. So I, I didn't have to have <laughs> yeah. a manual labor job. Yeah, exactly. I was going to college anyway, but sure. uh, that was why he wanted me to work for him. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, Answer for me is pretty simple. Uh, both of my parents are doctors or retired doctors. Um, you know, one was OB-GYN with a specialty for infertility. The other one was a pediatric oncologist who then uh, switched uh, in the middle of her career to addictive psychiatry. And so, um, you know, I just always saw their service to, you know, to, to people. And I always saw their their, um, how they helped people is something that I aspired to. And I thought at the time when I was 15, 16, 17, it was formidable years that you said, Ralph, um, that that was the way to do it. And, you know, it turns out you can do it in other ways. Did you have any idea how much you would end up being like your parents? <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes I am very proud of that. And sometimes, <laughs> um, I'm reminded that, you know, I could, uh, um, you know, we all have our faults. I mean, my, my wife and I talk a lot about uh, how we didn't realize how much our parents didn't know when they were raising us until we became yeah. parents too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And Amen you mentioned your, yeah, you mentioned your wife. Mine uh, is good at pointing out when I'm like my parents, I'll put it that way, right? Yeah. So mm. she notices it. And I do the same thing, unfortunately, just because you see it, right? And um, yeah. especially the older we get, and the more set we get in our ways, that uh, tends to show up even more. But yes. Uh, Just don't call your wife, your mother-in-law's name. Don't worry. That's not a good idea. That'll, that'll never happen. 
That'll ne- well, <laughs> knock on wood. That'll never happen. Oh, so, no, no. It was yeah. intentional. It was like, <laughs> okay, Carol. You know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Ooh, nice. That was not a good one. <laughs> no, not good. No, that would not go over well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only did that once. Only once. It was early on. Just <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, but, you know, you bring up an interesting point too, both of you, uh, in the sense that, you know, that while, while the career can take whatever path that it wants and, and that sort of thing. And, and it is interesting because I think we have kind of a little bit of a different, um, you've got AP who, who kind of is almost a field agnostic uh, in a way, right? Knows what he likes to do and is just kind of kind of do whatever he finds interesting, right? You've got Gears who has been in the same industry, but has moved within that industry to things that he liked. And then you've got Ralph, who I think uh, has only ever done that, as you said, and really, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say identifies as a writer. I am a writer. Yeah. Was that, is that a fair? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so while I think there's, I think there's value in all of those things. I also think there's maybe some, some dangers sometimes uh, hidden up in those things too. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. Where, you know, if, if somehow, you know, AP had to be chained down to, <laughs> to one way of doing something right for a long time that you'd probably go nuts. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I will say when I, uh, I would have said before I got, I got laid off almost eight years ago. And before I got laid off, I would have said, Oh no, I don't have identity issues. It's, it's just a job. And then I got laid off and thought, Oh no, no, that wasn't even mm. remotely true. Uh, yeah. That first night, I mean, I woke up, uh, and let's say, just say gastrointestinally unwell at about three o'clock in the morning. And I had a couple of years of full scale, nonstop uh, anxiety. It was really, really, really bad. So, mm. yeah. And I would because not say that I'm 100%. Entity had yeah. been, sorry, go ahead. And I would say I'm not really 100% through that. It's, I mean, it's mostly fear of failure that, you know, being on your own just sucks in ways that. I mean, it's awesome and sucks. It's either one or the other. It's either 100% awesome or 0% shitty, you know? It does so. tend to strike, like a, yeah. kind of bifurcate that way. <laughs> yeah. So, it, but, it, and that's, I guess, kind of what I'm, I'm getting at a little bit is, and I, and I appreciate you sharing that because I didn't, I know, I didn't know that. Um, but I think we as men have a tendency to, to do that though, to identify, especially as we're climbing. Uh, which is where I think a lot of guys find themselves when they come, when they find F3, they're in that, you know, mid to late thirties, early forties time range. You know, you've got a couple of kids, you've gotten at least two promotions right at work and you're kind of looking and going, well, okay, well, what's next? And you, you find yourself going, Oh, I guess, I guess it's time to climb. And as you start that climb, uh, as you see it, you know, within the companies or within the industries or whatever it might be, I think more and more our identity begins to kind of just mesh with our role. And then we find ourselves when that role changes in any way, you know, even if it's just a, a reorganization of the, of the company or something, you know, we, we find ourselves, um, what's the, I, uh, unbalanced i guess you know overly like it, the the reaction doesn't fit the you know what happened you know like we really get really twisted around the axle about this change when maybe it did or maybe it didn't make that much of a difference curious about your thoughts yes you know my thoughts frank because we talked <laughs> we talked about this before i almost feel like you teed it up for me I yes, teed it up exactly. for you, buddy <laughs> so i um 
as I mentioned before, I switched from technology into the business uh, about six years ago. And um, I was fast tracked very quickly from being a product manager to a director of product management, all the way to a general manager, like literally like super fast tracked. And it was, um, it was good in the sense that I saw um, acknowledgement of my ability to lead and things like that. It was bad in the sense that I literally went from not being a customer facing business centric person into someone who needed to own a business. And uh, there were a lot of pressures there. Um, and we, as a company, actually decided we were going to make some big moves to reorganize in terms of where we focus our efforts. And one of those moves was to create a single leader across the R&D side and the product side for the organization for the area that I was in charge of. Um, and so this person came in to own both of those, whereas I only own the product side of the general manager. That's the way the company was created mm -hmm. or was structured. And when that happened, it was, um, I felt like I was leveled essentially. And Frank and I talked about this yeah. offline, obviously. Uh, and I got really wrapped around the axle as you, I don't know if that's the exact word you used, but I really it struggled is. with it. Yeah. I really struggled with it because I was like questioning my, um, my competency, right? I was in a new domain, you know, it was a couple of years in, but not a lot, like two years, three years, maybe into it. And uh, it's really set me back. And, um, you know, when you were talking about anxiety, uh, Matt, you know, like what the, the things that go in the headspace, um, I was there and it took me a couple months. And that was literally when I first started to join the shield lock with Frank and we struggled through it together. And uh, eventually <clears throat> the way that I came out of it is that I started to focus on the mission instead of my own personal pride and what I thought I wanted everybody to think of me, right? So I took a step back and I said, what are we actually trying to accomplish here as an organization? Not what am I trying to make people think about me? What are our goals? And you know, by holding on to that and you know, to put it in F3 terms, to be missional about it is the thing that actually pulled me through it. Because the thing is, and I told you guys before about what I do for a living, I believe in our company mission, like to actually stop bad people from doing things with money. Like that's a very altruistic thing. That's when I interview people and I tell them why I'm still there after 15-ish years because of that, because I believe in what we're trying to do. It's not just a paycheck. It's not just making money for the shareholders, even though both of those things are nice. It's that I, um, you know, I honestly believe we're making a, a difference for the world financially, right? In terms of protection of finances. And when I finally got out of, you know, what, what will everybody think about this, right? That hears about what happened and started thinking about what am I trying to accomplish for not myself, but for like the world and for the organization. It's how I finally overcame kind of getting wrapped around that. And my identity, it became less about me and more about our mission and also about my team because they all were like, you know, they could feel it. Even if I didn't say it explicitly to them, they could feel the tension and the stress and the anxiety that I felt. And I eventually actually told a few of them who were more senior in the team that I'd been working with for a long time, what I struggled with and how I got over that was by stopping thinking about how can I put myself on a pedestal instead, how can I make us all as a team succeed at our goals together? And really when I finally took that step back from that, then I and my team started to flourish so much more. And that actually was like last year in January timeframe when that really started to kick off and to get moving. And um, you know, that was a huge turning point for me personally uh, and also it helped me to extract again myself from, um, it's not about me. You know, I know we say that in F3, it's not about me. Like the goal is not about how can I make my name great? It's how can I accomplish the goals we have? How can I improve those around me? And how can I do it in love, right? To my team members. Um, and that's what kind of pulled me out of that funk, but it was really hard. Uh, Frank got to hear it you know, pretty much every week for a couple months where I was just struggling with it. Um, I was trying not to let it affect my performance at work and things like that, but it was, 
it was a tough place to be because I was tying my identity up in, um, in pride, really, at the end of the day. Like it's all yeah. about a, a title and worrying about what other people thought. And instead, once I got off my, uh, my own bandwagon, uh, I started to realize there was something bigger than that that I needed to focus on. Um, and it wasn't about like, where's my next promotion or what's my yeah. title going to be or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I'll, let me throw in two things. First is, uh, Helmut and I were talking earlier today. Uh, he had used the term unlocked in a previous uh, podcast. And I said, we should do a whole episode on unlocked. And here we are doing a whole episode on becoming unlocked without even <laughs> kind of doing it on purpose. Uh, but the, the other uh, thing I would throw in there is, um, I, I think, uh, Gears, you might relate to this, and I would guess AP is too, is that we're sort of taught that the, the American dream is, you know, chasing the next big job, chasing the next big cha- paycheck, chasing the next big success, chasing the next big title. And every time you catch one, the only thing you think is, what's the next well, there's one? A bigger, there's a, what, yeah. What's the next one? It's bigger. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're taught that contentedness <clears throat> and, uh, you know, being where your feet are is an expression we use here in St. Louis. We're not taught to do those things at all. We're taught to, uh, you know, there, there's a, a line between accelerate, you know, between focusing on acceleration, but then also diminishing that diminishes where you are. And it's if all you focus on is acceleration, it's impossible to be content. So I think yeah. that's a, a balance that we all uh, fight. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Acceleration. I, I'm, I sure know I do. Yeah, my yeah. first uh, when I first switched again between the the um, technology side to the business side and, and got that first promotion. I was assigned a mentor from the business, like uh, the sales organization. I'm not going to get into details because I don't know who I was listening and I don't want to incriminate anyone. But um, the first time we sat down, the first question he asked me is like, you know, what, what do you want your next job to be? Like, where do you want to go? Like it was immediate, like, how are you going to move to that next level? And I yeah. sat down and I told him, I, like, I literally just got this job. And my goal right now is to do this thing that I've never done and to do it well. And he was like, that's the wrong attitude to have. And it was like, probably not the best person to be sitting down with at that point in my career. And I think it, uh, it's not because he said it, but that's something that always kind of, I remembered after the fact that I think that mindset of always having to find that next opportunity is exactly what you said, man, it's going to make us discontent constantly. Like it's never going to be good enough if you're trying to find your satisfaction in a title or, or a paycheck or anything else. Cause there's always gonna be somebody else who has that next thing, whatever it is, money, title, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, like I said, when I started focusing on, the, right? yeah, but when I started focusing on the mission of the organization it has nothing to do with the title. It's like, can we stop bad people from doing these things? It changed how I measured success for us, right? Yeah, I still want to meet my objectives and bonuses and blah, 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 like all that stuff. But it's not about just how can I get to the next level regardless of who I step on, which I'm not saying I was literally there, but like, that's how a lot of people think and changed the game. And it actually made me much more content and satisfied with work. doesn't mean I don't try hard. doesn't mean I'm sitting back and kind of just doing the minimum to get by. That's totally not it. <clears throat> but it does mean that I'm trying to do what I do the best way I can. Because yeah. if I look back at my career, every time I ever got any kind of advancement, it's because I did that, not because I was trying to scheme to get there. It was because I actually cared about what I was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. And, it, and that makes all the difference. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, AP, uh, what resonated in there with you? I'm, I'm watching the, I'm watching you nod. I can see you making that AP face where you're thinking deep. <laughs> Is that what my, my face looks like? Um, you, you know, the I'm going to back the video up now and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm very interested. So what is this face? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, some things did resonate with me and it was interesting to hear the stories, the, 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 the candor, you know, that gears and Ralph had, I, I really appreciate that because it made me think, well, did I do that? Was I like that? And, 
You know, the answer to that is probably yes. I mean, there's times, of course, when you feel like, hey, if I lose this thing or I do this thing, that reflects on me. Um, and I think probably where I would uh, add something to it is, you know, failure has helped me a lot. <laughs> um, when I fail at something, uh, it's a pretty humbling thing. And, and especially early in my career, I, you know, I remember thinking when I was a a video editor at the NBA. I mean, this is a very true story that like I edited something and it was basically turned over to the producers and the producers like, oh, this is great. You know, I don't have to do much to this. And like, they basically put it out there. And, you know, that's an international organization with, you know, hundreds of millions of fans across the world. And I thought, well, why does that person get to have that job? Like I could do that job. And, you know, your ego gets involved and you think, okay, wow, like I could do that. And, you know, now that I'm that age, I'm like, oh my God, what a stupid little kid I was. Right. And, and, <laughs> um, you know, you start to see those patterns about yourself, your self-awareness as you, as you grow as a person, um, means it doesn't mean I don't care about my job. It just means that it's not who, what defines me. Right. And, um, you know, like everybody, well, maybe not like everybody, but at least I can say it like Ralph, you know, I've lost a job, I've gained a job, I've, you know, I've had other pieces of my career that have been, you know, I, I've taken jobs with less title, you know, those I'm air quoting for those of you who are just listening, you know, and, and, but each of those things has been a step in my own maturation. And so at this point in my life, you know, like I, I think about a lot of things and my job is still important to me. It doesn't mean it's not important. It's just not going to be the thing that defines me. Yeah, no doubt. It's, um, it's a tricky, I think it can be, I, I shouldn't say it is, but it, it can be a tricky uh, dance, I guess, sometimes, because you want to care enough about it that you do a good job, but not so much that it becomes an idol. Uh, in and of itself, where it becomes, you know, the most important thing or it, and, and uh, I don't remember, oh, I guess it was a uh, double D um, who's a guy that uh, is down here in, in Fort Mill as well. Many of many guys, uh, especially APU know him and, and a lot of guys know him, but, um, but he, uh, he was, he was slated to be on here uh, with us, but uh, you know, Mammon got the way, <laughs> ironically or not, uh, right. Mammon got in the way and, uh, and he had to, you know, he's, he took a new job recently and is, you know, he's kind of just buried in this thing. Right. And he was like, Hey, you know, I can't be here. Sorry. Um, you know, work, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you guys can just, you know, you can rip me up on the podcast. I get it. <laughs> and I was like, no, man. And I said, you know, I don't know. I'm not really sure where 43 feet falls on the concentrica. And, uh, and he was like, yeah, okay, good point. And, uh, and then he said, you know, that's an interesting, it is a useful framework for us to kind of put things in proper priority. And uh, he goes, I guess Dredd does know something every once in a while or something, something mm -hmm. like that. And I said, well, you know, thank, thankfully he, he does know a lot of stuff. Right. And he, but he, he always says, you know, I'm just the guy painting the picture. I'm, you know, it, it's just right. I, I just, whatever's in the fruit bowl is in the fruit bowl. I'm not imagining things. I just see it this way. And that's what I paint. Right. Um, but so whether we, whether we want to credit it all Dredd, even though he wouldn't credit it to himself, but because uh, he'd say, oh, I'm just these are just ideas that are out there. But um, th it is significant, though, that, that the, the definition of mammon as a relationship versus a pursuit, because we've all talked about the pursuit now a little bit, and then also the idea that it, it lives on the outer ring, uh, you know, in, in our concentrica, right? So, we, you know, we put all these other things ahead of that uh, in terms of the, the amount of resources that we, you know, delegate to that relationship. But 
and then before we started recording, even we were talking about how you can be next to a guy in the gloom and not even know what he does. And so I guess the question to some degree is what are we all working for? Like what, what, what if, what if we didn't have to do these things? What, what if the story in our head wasn't, you know, to, to Ralph's point, you know, uh, American dream picket fence, you know, 2.5 kids or that's probably less than that now. I don't even know. <laughs> that was what they used to say back in the eighties and nineties. Right. I don't know what the number is now of actual kids we have. We're probably not even replacing ourselves. Um, maybe in this country, but anyway. Uh, but you know, having that, uh, having that as the the standard or the goal, um, I think we, I think you guys all kind of hit on it. We we get confused, you know. We get it, we get it backwards, and we start to 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 put the the things that are least important in our. They're getting our most focus uh, yeah. a lot of times. Yeah, I would. Um... <clears throat> I would say that you're right that we get our kind of, uh, I'm going to use a word, a phrase that's probably bad, but resource allocation. We look across. No, the that's good. I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So like where, where we spend our time gets out of whack, but I would also say, you said, what if we didn't have to work on the outside? You know, I've, um, we talked about my dad already. So I'll talk about my parents again. I, you know, the thing about like parents when they get older is um, that I've observed is when people stop having things to do, like ways to feel like they're contributing in some way to something. That's when you start to decline. My parents aren't there by the way, but I'm just kind of using that as a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, I don't know what I would, I don't think I would want to not work. Even if I was like independently wealthy and like had everything I needed to do, I need some way not to prove myself, but some way to kind of contribute, I think is, is the thing. And I think that, um, you know, it's easy to say when you've got a job that pays well and everything else. And like, if you're in a grind and you hated it and you were doing it because you had to, I'm, I know that there are guys who are out there in that situation. So I'm not trying to diminish that, but I feel like we're made to work in a way. Yeah. We're not made to sit around and just kind of uh, vegetate and kind of live off of whatever we got in the bank account. You know, if we were right. independently wealthy, yeah. I think we're made to, to do something because that's how we make an impact on the things around us, whatever that looks like. Right. And for some, it's a struggle because they feel like they're forced to. And for others, it is an opportunity because they get the chance. And I guess, AP, it sounds like you kind of fall in that category of the opportunity to do some things. I feel the same way. Again, I got the opportunity to switch into the business side. It's in, in a new field, mm -hmm. it's a, the same market, but a new kind of dimension of- It's a whole different to, deal, Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like, <clears throat> that's an opportunity for me, to, for me to make an impact. I come from a completely different background than most of the people on the business side. And I- I do things a different way and hopefully, hopefully a lot of those are for the better, but either way, if I, <laughs> well, they haven't I kicked the option, you out yet. So it's probably yeah, good. <laughs> if I had the option not to work, I don't think I would take it. Um, maybe yeah. like much, much later in my life, if I was doing something else, like traveling all the time or something else where I was doing something that had an impact somehow in another dimension of my life, maybe that's what my wife wants to do constantly. Right. So I can invest my time there. But like, I feel like we're made to contribute, not just to kind of, no, I, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Ralph, you were, you started to say yeah. something. Yeah. I mean, uh, the idea of, you know, working very hard for 30 or 40 years so that you can retire to a, a big house on a golf course or whatever, that's an American invention of the early 20th, late 19th century. That's not, uh, that's not a thing that existed in, in any other culture. And yet we have created it to be, you know, an idol. That's why you work so that you can have a 401k so that, uh, you can stop working. And that's just not, uh, I've fallen into that same trap. I'm as guilty of that as anybody, but you're right. The idea that we're meant to stop working and then just live a life of, uh, you know, relaxation and leisure. That's just not, that's just not true.
Yeah, I think the, um, you know, uh, context matters in, in a lot of things too. And, uh, you know, as we all experience this, this global phenomenon that is this pandemic, um, we're all having a shared experience that makes us question whether or not we're spending time on the right things. And um, we're also, you know, sort of limited in the scope, at least we are in the state of Washington very much, limited in the scope of the people that we can be with. And, you know, for what I would call uh, the traditional sort of office jobs, nobody's back in the office yet. And so there's still a lot of work from home. And so you're limited in scope, especially to the people who are in the same four walls. And so, you know, it becomes one of these things like, well, what is my priority, right? And, you know, if you want to take it, I am not saying this because I am trying to be something I'm not. I'm just, you know, living a, a life that I want to live, but like I've changed some of my priorities around working out. Um, it is not that I don't work out. I still work out and I still work out with my three buddies and, but I don't go as often. And because my wife lost what was important to her and she was a member of a gym, right? And she had a group of people and she, she had her own thing. And now I work out with her several times a week because I want her to feel like she's connected to something again. And like, I'm not saying that to be again, a hero or anything like that, but I was like that this pandemic has forced me to think, what would it be like if I didn't work? What would I do? And what would I try to be? And, um, you know, I talk again about the, you know, uh, Gears mentioned his parents, I'll mention mine one more time. They taught me a life of service and I'm not perfect, I'm far from it, but I, I know that if I didn't work, I'd still do, like he was talking about contributing, I would still do something and it would start in my own four walls. Hmm. Yeah, my, um, oh, go ahead, Ralph. I was gonna say, I had something, something Gears uh, said about sort of his, his shift in mentality from uh, you know the next job, the next promotion to fulfilling the, the mission, something like that happened with me as well. Uh, early in my career, and for most of my career, I would say my interactions with the people that I was writing about were purely transactional. I was getting information from them so that I could write a story. And that was it, period. Somewhere along the way, probably starting right after I had kids, and then now it's fully formed. Now I, I view those uh, interactions as relational and collaborative. Uh, and it's completely, it's my life and my career is, is better because of that. Uh, I don't know if I would tell a journalism professor that that was the way that I did it. And I'm not sure I would write a journalism ethics book about that, but screw that. I don't care anymore. You know, that I'm more interested in the, the relationships that I developed with the people than I ever was before. Yes. I still have to write a story. That's still my first, uh, my first priority, but I, I develop relations relationships with the people that are fulfilling and, last longer now than they did before. And that has uh, greatly helped. Uh, my, it, I mean, it's made me a better writer, first of all, but it's also made, I think made me a better person and made me enjoy my job more. Hmm. Interesting. I love it. Um, well, I hate to, uh, I hate to say it, but we're, 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 I mean, we're like 45 minutes in here. I don't know how that happened. Like it just kind of stuck up on us, but um, so I guess kind of to, to sort of, bring it all around a little bit and, and kind of, I guess, sort of final thoughts ish uh, sort of a thing. But um, I guess if I was going to, cause you guys are both uh, well, all of us in, in some way or other, I mean, look, some guys, I know Ralph says, Oh, I'm just a freelance writer or whatever. Right. Um, actually, no, he doesn't say that. He's like, I write for national magazines. You sorry suckers. No, um, <laughs> but he, uh, 
he's clearly achieved a, a, you know, a level of, of success in his, his career um, that has allowed for uh, some pretty neat opportunities, uh, not the least of which is having a rodeo on an aircraft carrier, right? Wasn't that the, I mean, it's kind of a, <laughs> it's I, an my, my, I, I have two claims to fame. I'm the only writer in the 127 year history of the sporting news to appear on the cover. And I got paid to pursue a hole in one for an entire summer and I got it. Those are the two uh, things out there. Uh, I mean that, right? That's pretty sweet. Right? Yeah, and so I get to certain... call that. I get to call that work. I, I know how fortunate my job is. You know I mean? <laughs> well, it's funny that you said because you know uh, before I started kind of this leadership gig that I'm I'm working on now. You know, I'm a I'm a, a video guy by uh, by uh, trade, I guess, for the last few years, and, and still have that company. But um, that was the whole thing that got me uh, tricked into it in the first place. Is I was in college uh studying psychology putting myself through you know with these assistantship uh working in the tv department and they were like okay well you know the the university just got gifted this you know huge nature preserve like gifted to them and so we're going to turn this into this you know uh biology whatever you know and all these labs and stuff and put them all out there and and they were like um so the the you know the video department here at the university we have to go out and we have to make video to you know, solicited donors, you know, so that we can start building some of these buildings, you know, the land is ours now, but the, you know, we got to build all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. Right. And so I get paid to do this and they were like, okay, so it uh, looks like, all right, here's how we're gonna do this on Tuesday. We're going to canoe up and down the little river. Uh, and then we're going to spend Wednesday morning. We'll get up at sunrise and we'll wait and see if we can catch some wildlife. There's a couple spots that we're going to get, you know, and I was like, wait, okay. And you're going to, but you, you pay me. Right. And they're like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we pay you. And I was like, and all I have to do is like, have fun. They're like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll do that. Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> Twist my yeah. arm. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's why you know, after I worked in mental health for a little while, I was like, yeah, this sucks. And I was like, you know, what was fun. <laughs> so, went over there anyway. So it, it is so it's clearly achieved some success there, uh, Ralph. And, uh, you know, Jason has, has you know, it, nice. I don't know if guys know this. It's because it's one of these companies that is huge and people just don't know that it exists because it's not you know, they're not out there forefront, you know, they're not hucking, you know, laundry detergent. So as consumers, we don't run into them, right? It's a B2B sort of situation, but it's a huge company. Um, it clearly has achieved a great deal of success with uh, being able to manage people and, and you know, be there for a long time and, and, and uh, you know, do a lot of contributing, right? And then, you know, you've got uh, AP over here who's bounced around a number of different places, worked for some of the largest companies in the, in the entire world. Um, and has had some success there. Um, but so given all of that, with all the success and all the things and all the whatever that we may or may not have been able to do in our lives and our careers, if you were to look at a guy now, we'll, we'll go whetstone for a second, right? So if you look at a guy now, 20 years, 15 years, you're a junior, and tell him what he needs to know about Mammon for his next five to 15 years, what are you going to tell that guy? Uh, I, I'll, I've told you this story before, but I'll tell it again. About a year after I got laid off, I just overcome with anxiety, as I've described before. <clears throat> I woke up at about three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm a Christian with a, a voice saying to me, if you don't relax in 20 years, you're going to regret not just your career, but your whole life. And as if to make it clear, as if that, that wasn't enough, the voice said exactly this, said it twice, said it again. Uh, I would like to say that I woke up uh, a changed man. I, I didn't. I woke up 1% changed. And then over the over 
a course of a very long time, uh, somewhat stepped off from your job is you and your success is you and what people think of you is you. Uh, but certainly I, I would say uh, the American dream is a lie. It's a bunch of bullshit. And as soon as you can forget it, the better. And don't worry if people think, if people look at you askance, you're right and they're wrong. You know, don't, don't get to the end of your life and look back and say, I should have woke up and saw the sunrise. I should have, mm. uh, you know, taken that job where I, I did the fun thing instead of the, the psychology that I hated. Uh, nobody gets to the end of their life and wishes they spend more time at the office. <laughs> Fair. Gears? Um, it is an excellent question. I'll start by saying that. <laughs> I think that um, shades of what Ralph was saying, I keep calling you Matt because I was calling APAP because he's Jason, but I'm going to call you Ralph now. Sorry. But um, you know, when he talked about like looking backwards and looking forward, <clears throat> I think um, but that's actually excellent advice as, uh, as a starting point to what I was about to say before I even mentioned that um, is that, you know, don't think about kind of what's happened in the past because you're probably going to manufacture a history. It's not actually what really happened. It's your perception of what happened in a lot of cases. And I hate to get all kind of new agey with it. But like a lot of times we tell ourselves stories about the way that things work in our professional life and other realms of life. But the main thing I think you need to do is to look at what you're doing and to see if it's something that you feel like you're actually making a difference. Um, because I think if I'm just, and I know it's easy for me to say as a job where I actually enjoy what I do and like I believe in the mission. I know there are guys out there grinding to make a paycheck to make their make ends meet for themselves and for their family. But I think the goal of work should be to find the place that you're going to be the most effective, right? And to actually flourish in that place and you're going to get fulfillment. And I think all the good things will follow along behind that. And that's easy to say when you're there, but it's hard to say when you're not. But I think that's what you should be looking for. And if you wake up every day and you're miserable and all you're looking for is for when is that miserableness going to end? Like this uh, thing that Ralph mentioned about the American dream, retirement, golf course, blah, blah, blah then that, um, I think you're going to regret it. I'll just put it that way. Like you might think mm -hmm. it, that you've arrived when you get to the end state, but when you find the place that you actually are doing what you feel like you're meant to do, not to get all D2X on it, but like the place where you're most effective and you're actually making a difference and contributing, that, um, that's what I would recommend people look for in their maintenance because that's where you're going to get the most fulfillment and you're going to be most effective. Like you're going to feel like you're contributing. You're going to be in mm -hmm. rhythm. Like it's, it makes a huge difference to find that yeah. spot. So yeah. And it's a, it's a voyage. Like, it's not like I can give you the recipe, but, but you got to look for that. I, I would recommend guys just assess where they are. Are they doing something they believe in, right? Not just trying to yeah. get a paycheck. No, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that's probably one of my bigger takeaways. And I'd kind of forgotten that we had had all those conversations about it, but um, the idea of, of being missional yeah. um, and, and worrying about the, what am I contributing and why am I here? You know, yeah. and then it becomes easier. Anyway, go ahead, uh, AP. You know, at the risk of sounding uh, repetitive, um, I, I'll put sort of my spin on it. And it's interesting. I had one of my uh, my Whetstone Blade meetings this morning. And so I literally had a very similar conversation uh, just a couple hours ago. Um, I'd say the first thing I would say to somebody who was really trying to think about this is um, build some self-awareness. Um, you know, understand what you are good at or what you're not good at or get a get a shield lock to help you figure that out. Right. Um, you know, my shield lock I've had now for the six years I've been in Seattle and it's the same, you know, at three guys and uh, we razz each other about what we're not good at, but we support each other, too. And 
um, it's really good about that to see what you might be contributing and what you're not contributing and, and, and to see what they contribute and what they're not good at and to have examples that are right there in front of you. So self-awareness is the first thing. And then the second thing I would say is focus. Once you have the, you, a knowledge of what you're good at, pick the things that you can have the most impact and ignore all the rest. Like it, it's real easy, especially early in your career. And this is the point that I made earlier. It's really er easy early in your career to say yes to everything. Um, and because you want to please and you want to do that growth. Right. And I was guilty of that. Wish I hadn't been, I wish I had learned this lesson earlier, but it was a lesson learned. And I try to share that now that if you, if you just pick the few things that you'll be good at, you'll not only be happier, but you'll contribute more and you'll be given more opportunities to do those things. Um, and if, you know, the American dream is not the end, but whatever your end is that you got through that self-awareness, you'll get there in a more measured way. If you focus. Hi, well, uh, I hope that Pax heard something in there that helped them to navigate their next 43 feet. I mean, that's kind of the, the goal of what we're trying to do here. Um, and, uh, and I really deeply appreciate, uh, both you gentlemen being on. Uh, with Ralph and I, um, and uh, in in sort of typicalish dread fashion, uh, as I've been saying uh, to guys at the end, hey, uh, we guys do something for me today. Definitely. So, yep. Will you be the leader that you are? <laughs> Absolutely. Give it a give it a shot. You got a face yeah. for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very nice. I was going to say this podcast brought to you by Tango Card. Oh, there you go. <laughs> i can't i can't say that you can say that, i can though. i can that's right you yeah, jason getting a lot of trouble if he says that. it's fine uh, good stuff <laughs>